Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on, and this is another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. As we continue our roster review, there's only two of them left. Uh, this one and the, lo- the one later on this week. We will finish up uh, with the secondary and linebackers next week. And I guess we'll talk a little bit about the special teams. But this week, it's offensive line and defensive line. But first, uh, we have a dedicated page over at Factormeals.com. They've been with us for four months now. You can go to Factormeals.com forward slash three yards per carry five zero. That's the number three yards per carry five zero and use the same promo code three yards per carry five zero and you get 50% off your first order. And as always, uh, Chris, uh, have you gotten anything from that smoke as of as of late? I haven't gotten anything uh, from them other than, um, you know, allegedly, allegedly uh, some some uh, some well, allegedly, hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, for all your THC shroom products, CBD as well, you can go to dietsmoke.com and use the promo code Waddle, as in Jalen Waddle. Very, very clever, by the way. And I did not suggest this. Okay, I, I would love to take credit for this, but I talked to the rep, and the rep was like, you guys cover the Miami Dolphins. How about Waddle as a promo code? I'm like, man, you're, you're, you're pretty damn good at this because I would not have thought of that. So We'll, we'll, change, we'll change it to allegedly. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. So promo code Waddle and you get 50% off any one item. That's of course dietsmoke.com. All right, we're going to yeah, we're going to get into the offensive line and the defensive line and I guess we'll do the offensive line first, but uh we got to touch on the the DC search. They're casting an extremely wide net. Uh Simon, what is the status of their search as of right now and your thoughts on these candidates? But the the list seems to be a little larger than usual. I have it at seven guys right now. Um, I I mean the the status I suppose we we wait to hear. Really, nobody seems to know. They're taking their time. They're at the senior bowl week, and obviously, you know things are happening on the ground as they always do. People talk to people at the senior bowl. It's a great way of getting information and background stuff, and you know just kind of speaking to coaches that you probably haven't spoken to to find out you know who's had a great season and who hasn't. I think we're at Ryan Slowick. Uh, Anthony Campanile, Bobby Babich, uh, although he's gone now, he's been made the defensive coordinator of the Bills, unfortunately. Chris Kiffin was announced today, um, who's the linebacker coach of the Texans, done a fantastic job. Son of Monty Kiffin, uh, Lane Kiffin's brother, obviously knows Mike Badana from working at the 49ers. Brandon Staley, who interviews with the Rams, I think, today or tomorrow for his old job back. Um, Ajayo Vero was blocked by the Panthers, unfortunately. And then Leslie Frazier, uh, the former Bills defensive coordinator, and Anthony Weaver, who is the highly regarded assistant head coach and defensive line coach of the Ravens, but was a bit of a car crash as a defensive coordinator of, I think, the Texans. So that's kind of where we are. Um, 
I mean, for me, a kind of, I mean, a lot of people uh, I've spoken to think uh, that Slowick has a really good chance uh, and is the better internal candidate uh, and is, uh, you know, tipped for uh, big things in the future. I suppose Brandon Sadie would be, Chris, a kind of a, a very interesting choice. Beyond that, a kind of, there's nobody that really grabs me. I really wanted Babich, I think. And at, at the moment, it kind of, you know, I know you're a bit of a Leslie Frazier guy, and um, but that's kind of where we are. And it wouldn't surprise me over the next couple of days if we heard of a couple of more names to come out Alpha, you know. So that's kind of where we are. Um, disappointing about Babbage, but Chris, you, um, you're a big fan of Frazier, and well, I, don't I mean think the that, radio uh, host from Seattle. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that yeah, not that guy. Um, I think that it's possible that some of these guys that we're talking about could. It just really depends on the order of things because. They were obviously denied by the Carolina Panthers, uh, as were other teams, um, over uh, Everell uh, as a defensive uh, coordinator candidate for um, for multiple teams out there. Um, they're trying to hold on to him. Uh, so, you know, did Miami fill out the list with one or two more names because they were declined on him? And also, um, I'm not entirely sure whether – Bobby Babich actually made it to the Dolphins interview or not. I know they intended to interview him, um, but the, uh, but the Buffalo bills, you know, certainly could have headed him off at the pass by offering him the promotion defensive coordinator uh, for the team that he's been with for years. So, um, and that would have been a good deal for him, uh, you know, for, so, so it's perfectly understandable. You take that job rather than go through interviews and see if he gets an offer somewhere else. Um, what we're left with is, you know, guys that a lot of, a lot of people that we don't know about. Um, we think we know a little bit about, about Brandon Staley from his time as a defensive coordinator, um, uh, with the Rams. Uh, but then again, the Rams are interested in him and they they're interviewing him, uh, for that job. And so he could just easily go back there. Uh, so you're left with, you know, wondering about these guys that you don't have a lot of history on, like Chris Kiffin, um, even our own guys, Anthony Campanelli and uh, Ryan Slowick. Um, and so, uh, and Anthony Weaver, who, as you said, you know, had sort of a, a bad, a bad run uh, with the Texans as a defensive coordinator, but is an, a well-respected assistant head coach and defensive line guy. Um, you don't really know much, and that's kind of the point. We don't, we don't really know much. You, it's, it's all whispers. It's all you know names that people that uh, that we know and trust kind of give us as respected. And um, you know, there are many guys out there that are respected that wouldn't necessarily make a good coordinator, and there are many guys out there that you wouldn't hear about that would. I mean, it's it's very hard to make heads or tails of. But the Leslie Frazier thing, what I can say about it is that uh, the Miami Dolphins, I know in certain corners of that building, have tremendous respect for Leslie Frazier. Uh, he was one of the few candidates, along with Mike McDaniel, for that head coaching job when they, uh, when they were uh, operating that search. Uh, I did hear, uh, and this was a very weird one, um, that I heard last year, and I didn't, I didn't really mention it. I'm not sure that I really mentioned it on the podcast or anything. But at the time, Leslie Frazier was the assistant head coach and, and defensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills. 
And so it was very confusing when I heard that Miami Dolphins might be interested in making him assistant head coach slash defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> and I was, I was really, uh, you know, like a, like a, like dog look, dog confused look at, at that one. Um, but then a few weeks later, uh, there was this mysterious Leslie Frazier is stepping down and going on sabbatical thing. And the Buffalo bills are going to keep his contract rights for another year. And, and just very just whole um, mysterious happening that, uh, there. Meanwhile, you know, obviously that wasn't going to work out for Miami, even if they were interested, um, because the Bills were going to keep hold of his contract rights. Uh, so Miami went on with their search. You know, Vic Fangio. They interviewed Chris Richard and uh, and Sean Desai and Anthony Campanelli. Um, and and history happened. So um, so I think that this time around, uh, Leslie Frazier is available. And I remembered that. And that's where I'm like, you know, I, I really think Miami has a lot of respect for him. And we just went through a thing with Vic Fangio. Um, and I think that Leslie Frazier kind of will remind people of that. It's like he's an older he's an older coordinator. He's an older coach. He would be sort of the, you know, quote unquote, head coach of the defense, more or less. Um, the difference, I think, between the two is that Leslie has a history of his players wanting to run through brick walls for him. Uh, and, you know, he is definitely a guy who engenders player trust, player loyalty. Uh, whereas we found out firsthand in Miami and, you know, come to when you hear whisper to uh, listen to the whispers and uh, and rumors coming from other places as well, you know Vic Fangio has always um, rubbed players a little bit the wrong way, and he certainly did in Miami as well. So uh, so I think there is a difference there. Um, and then the other thing is, hey, listen, Leslie Frazier uh, has had success as the the Bills coordinator. And I think Miami's number one goal this offseason is going to figure out how to stop Josh Allen. Vic Fangio was here to stop Josh Allen, and he couldn't figure it out. So um, so I think that Leslie Frazier had a front row seat of what Josh Allen struggles with and what he might struggle with. And, uh, and that's why that's one of the reasons why I think the Dolphins are interviewing or wanted to interview two of the Buffalo Bills defensive coaches um, for this search. And one last thing, and I'll get to both of you on this very briefly before we get into the offensive line. Um, and I'll give my opinion. My, in my opinion, I think Chris K uh, Kiffin is the most. I'm, I'm not saying most likely, but I think he's a he's a serious contender. His, uh, if you look at his resume, it's the one that fits the best with the, at least with the motif I want to go for. Guy who's building up to this job. Same good social fit again, like we talked about last week. Uh, two things I can I know about the Ryans as far as father and son, uh, defensive coordinator, uh, duos. Do you know of any others, Simon? And who do you consider the favorite in the clubhouse right now? Uh, I can't think of any others. I, I, I actually would say Slowick. Okay. Um, it would not surprise me if they kept it in house. Um, I think they wanted Babbage. Um, and they didn't get him, and I think that's why Buffalo promoted him. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was if it was Slowick, to be honest. Um, don't know who you who'd be your favorite career. I mean, I, I think Staley, there is an intrigue with Staley, but I suspect he goes back to the Rams. Um mm. so yeah, I mean I, 
look, I'd be happy with either either of them. I think I think it's a bit of a risk with Slowick. You know, it's such a big year next year, um, in terms of the talent. But I just know how highly regarded he is around the league. And you know, there's a couple of coaches. There's a, a very good coach on on social media, um, who was really talking him up last night, um, and said, you know, he'd worked with him and what a great coach he was and how well regarded he was. Um, so yeah, I think it's um, yeah, I think it's uh. I don't know if there's any slam dunks out there, Chris, but I wouldn't be shocked if McDaniel went for, for slowing. Well, that's and and almost almost like if it is a slam dunk, my hackles rise <laughs> when yeah, I, I you know, if if a guy does look like a slam dunk, because time and time again, history has shown with these assistant coach hires that at best we're engaging in some sort of junk science escapade. Um, with you know, with trying to evaluate these guys, and just when you think you have the slam dunk hire, it turns out to not be the slam dunk hire. And and conversely, you know, when you hire a guy like uh, Butch Berry, who was universally panned, you know, as the offensive line coach, um, then uh, you know he turned out to be all right. <laughs> and and so I, I think that that's 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 where I, I I always caution a massive grain of salt on all of this. Um, I don't know that there is a home run, an obvious home run out there amongst these candidates. Uh, that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. I don't know. Um, I would say Leslie Frazier is probably my leader in the clubhouse. Um, but I would also take Ryan Slowick um, based on what we've heard and Chris Kiffin um, based on the fact that he's worked with um, with Mike McDaniel before in San Francisco, also worked with D'Amico Ryans, also worked with Robert Saleh, um, and the fact that Tom Pelissero was, uh, was the one to report his name. That actually is meaningful for, to me for other reasons. Um, I, I would take him very serious, but uh, Slowick as well. I would have taken Anthony Campanelli very seriously, but honestly, I've I've heard some things since then that suggest that um, that maybe he's not in line as much as I would have thought uh, at the end of the season. Alf, just one thing as well on Slowick for people that don't know, and and the kind of interesting interesting thing to me is that although he's probably a new name to a lot of people that don't, you know, know the intricacies of our staff and why would you, you know, this is a guy who's worked in personnel with the Packers. He's been a, a, a secondary coach. He's been a defensive assistant generally. He's been a special teams coach. He's been a quality control coach. He's been a defensive line coach. He's been an inside linebackers coach. He's been an outside linebackers coach. He's been a defensive analyst. You know, he has, he has done pretty much every job you could want to do apart from on the offensive side of the ball. You know, he, he's coached all three factions of, of defense. He's coached special teams. He's been he's worked in personnel. He knows the deal. Do you know what I mean? This is not yet. This is not a guy who you know has come. You know, mm. he's not a fly by nighter. This is a guy that you know, and he comes obviously as you mentioned from the Bob Slowick. His brother is Bobby Slowick, the the recently re-signed uh, offensive coordinator of the the Houston Texans. I think that was announced today. Um, so. You know, he is no fly-by-night candidate. He is a an interesting guy who has been around the block, worked for a lot of good coaches, worked for a lot of good people, and I think he's really well-respected around the league. All right. And, yeah, I completely agree. And if and if you're going to compare one with the other as far as both in-house candidates, uh, Campanelli's more fire and brim, brimstone. Slowick is more of a an intellectual type. Uh, like, he gets in the weeds. As far as all the assistant coaches, 
that I spoke to in, in training camp, like he and Austin Clark, in my opinion, were the oh, and Butch Berry. I can't sell Butch Berry short. Were the most forthcoming with information as far as all their players. Like you know, he's he he also had a pretty damn good group to to coach since he he was in charge of the outside linebackers. All right, let's get into this offensive line. This starting unit on paper it looked pretty damn good. Even when the season's over, you could look back and say, you know, Austin Jackson wasn't all that bad. We know Robert Hunt can play. Connor Williams can play. And Teron Armstead, he can play whenever he he is capable of getting out of bed. Uh, but if you take into account Teron Armstead and his valet, Kendall Lamb, the interior of that offensive line with Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, and then the right tackle with Austin Jackson, uh, the best three players in that group is not Austin Jackson, not in the best three, but those, the best three on that in that group played less than 50% of the snaps this year. Is it as simple as, and I'll go to, to you first, Simon, is it as simple as the lost snaps on this offensive line really sullied what our opinion of this offensive line would have been? Because uh, I I think I, had they played, I don't want to, I don't want them to be like the Buffalo Bills. They play one, you know, 100% of the snaps, but anything reasonable that is not less than 50% of the snaps, you got to think the team is better. But uh, what's a reasonable expectation of when you're signing guys who you know have a massive injury history? Well, I will say this Robert Hunt had, had not missed a game. No, Robert Hunt hadn't, and we drafted him rather than signed him. But Teron Armstead, yeah. massive injury history. You uh, know, Connor Williams also, had some injury history, but had a pretty good run going for him. Yeah, Isaiah Wynn, though. Uh, yeah. he, 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 was, he was a walking mess. We knew that was coming. You know, and we redoubled toward Austin Jackson, who had yeah. an injury history himself. Yeah. yeah, and then he ends up becoming the healthiest of the, of the bunch. Yeah. But then, you know, Isaiah Wynn, Connor Williams, uh, Kendall Lamb, uh, Robert Hunt, Jonathan Harrison, you know, these are all free agents now. And mm-hmm. I, I think if you look at the mm-hmm. if you look at the conference championship games this weekend, you know, you look at the Ravens, strong offensive line, you look at the the Chiefs, even without Joe Tooney, you know, strong offensive line. And two years ago they completely rebuilt their offensive line in the offseason and won a Super Bowl behind it. That the 49ers, outstanding offensive line, both at, you know, I mean, Calvin Throckmorton's probably not, you know, pushing too many needles, but you know, we were all calling for Trent Williams five or six years ago when the when Washington were were selling him for for dollars on the or for cents on the dollar, um, and you know, Aaron Banks, you know, works really well at left guard. They've got just good players on that line, really well coached, and then the Lions, you know, tackle to tackle, outstanding, you know. Probably the best center in the league, you know, great tackles, good guards. Even uh, and let me let me interrupt you there. And the 49ers were extremely smart with letting go what everybody perceived to be like their 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 budding stars behind Trent Williams. Because when they let go of Lake and Tomlinson, everybody had Lake and Tomlinson as a top five uh free agent acquisition that year, and the Jets signed him, and he proceeded to have as bad a season as you could possibly have as a guard. And then they they repeated that with McGlinchey. So they know what the hell they're doing over there in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, could you use a tight end in the draft? Yes. Could you use a wide receiver? I talked about it last week, absolutely, in the first round. But, you know, this team needs offensive linemen. It needs young offensive linemen to build around. What is the plan? They clearly have an understanding of what the plan is. But your best player on the offensive line, realistically, in terms of health, availability, and everything else, is probably Robert Hunt. Mm 
actually. Mm. You know, is he going to be re-signed? Connor Williams, I thought, had an outstanding year generally. And people say, oh, his snaps are terrible. I can count on the fingers of probably one and a bit hands at the amount of bad, you know, truly bad snaps he had. Um, so let's be serious about that in terms of the number of snaps he had. Is he being re-signed? Is he not? He's got an ACL tear. Will he be ready for the start of the season? How much money does he want? Who's going to come in for him, et cetera, et cetera. Who's playing left guard? We still haven't answered that question probably since Jamie Nails was, was a Dolphin. Teron Armstead was okay this season. I know he made the Pro Bowl, but let's, you know, he's not pulling up many trees in terms of his performances overall. Some were outstanding, some were, you know, bordering on mediocre at times when he was carrying the injury. And he's injured. I mean, he, what, he must have missed five or six games. Uh, the only healthy, the only linemen we have on the roster are currently Armstead himself. Lester Cotton, who's, you know, a substandard pass protector, is okay as a, a, as a power mover. Liam Eichenberg, who did an okay job stepping in at centre, but again, you don't probably don't want him starting. Austin Jackson, who we can talk about, uh, and Keon Smith, um, who's a career backup. And then Chasen Hines and Ryan Hayes, who are two futures guys in terms of futures contracts. This team needs a serious injection in the draft, and there are plenty of players to bring in. But I just, you know, it, it just feels like it's, Chris, it just always feels like we're just sellotaping it together with a bit of tape and a bit of. You know, they need to protect this quarterback. They need to get to a situation where he doesn't feel like he has to throw in two and a half seconds because he's going to get pounded because the line can't hold up or because they're so injured or we get to a playoff game and we, you know, we're four starters down as per usual. To me, this, you know, this is... I'm pretty sure if you went back and listened to the podcast that we did last year, we would say it was fairly dereliction of duty in terms of the way they haven't fixed this offensive line. And yet we're here again now and... I would not be shocked if this time next year we were all sitting here going, oh, the offensive line let us down again. And we, you know, Teron Armstead missed nine games and we didn't sign Robert Hunt and he had a Pro Bowl year with the Colts. And do you know what I mean? It's that kind of, yeah. I just don't know where they go. I don't know who they're going to sign. I don't know who they're going to re-sign. They clearly have a plan, but it's, you know, we don't know what it is. Well, I think that, um, you know, to be fair to them, you know, we we complained about, you know, the dereliction, as you say, on the offensive line, and then they go out and have a number one offense despite it. Um, however, also Imagine how, could it be, the, how good it would be with it. Right, mm -hmm. right. But also to be fair to the fair, we would say, yeah, but what happened at the end of the year, you know, when, when things really got down to brass tacks and we're facing good teams, and um and and you know we can't we can't throw the ball uh we can't pass protect longer than you know two two and a half seconds and um and we can't score uh or convert third downs or do anything um so i think that i think that the formula needs i, I what i would say is the formula needs a look the formula actually you know there was clearly a formula uh, when Mike McDaniel came in, you know, he talked about, um, he talked about this with Mike Silver. He wanted to, he wanted to get the personnel guys attention a little bit off of the offensive line. Cause, um, cause I think everybody in the room wanted to overhaul and spend a lot of resources on the unit and he wanted to focus their attention on playmakers. And that, you know, is, a, is how they came about to, trade for Tyreek Hill to sign Cedric Wilson for, you know, I think something like $8 million a year uh, to, you know, to franchise tag and give Mike Gesicki $10 million um, to, you know, all these, all these things that drafting Eric as a comma instead of, you know, Zach Tom or, or an offensive lineman. 
um, you know, a lot of a lot of moments where they've they've steered toward the uh, skill players and the playmakers around Tua Tonga Vailoa, and I, I'm sure that Mike McDaniel feels very vindicated by that, by the overall productivity of the offense over the years. But the question I have is, um, does that play in December and January? And it's a valid question based on how the last two years have ended up. And I, I think that when you get into the playoffs, history shows that these quarterbacks will generally hold the second or hold the ball about you know a tenth of a second, maybe two tenths of a second longer than they did uh, during the season. I think probably even longer if you compared it to say you know September October uh, during the season. Um, and your offensive line needs to hold up for it. And we've seen in this playoffs, you know, which teams are advancing uh, and what they have going for them on the offensive line. I don't want to insult the offensive line that Miami has put together. I think in some ways they've done a very good job, but I think that you've seen two approaches uh, with the offensive line with Miami. I think that you've seen sort of the, um, the bargain, the sort of the bargaining approach uh, with respect to Teron Armstead, let remember that Teron Armstead collected a contract and got a contract from Miami without having to trade a pick or anything like that. Um, that approximated uh, pretty close to what they just gave Austin Jackson, and Austin Jackson's supposed to be on a you know a good deal, a very team friendly deal, a very mediocre for a right tackle starter kind of deal. Well, that's that's kind of what they gave Teron Armstead as a free agent. And what's the reason a guy as talented as Teron Armstead signed for that low? It's because of the injury history. It's because you know he's only going to play like 60% of the snaps. And indeed, this year, he only played just over 50% of the team's snaps. Um, last year, I think it was like 67%. Um, and, and then Isaiah Wynn, also kind of a, a bargain shelf guy. Uh, injury history. Don't even know if he can play guard very well. Um, they did get some good production out of him at guard, but they also got the injury history that everybody knew that he had. Uh, Connor Williams, you know, they signed him for less than Cedric Wilson got. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, I, I, he was he was a two year he was a two year, two year seven million dollar a year guy. This was no by not this was not a a shop high you know put your name next to a um, a, a known commodity type of player. They bought him. He had been benched by the Dallas Cowboys as a guard because he got too many penalties. They they really gambled on him moving to center. And you know what? It worked, right? Like they, they moved him to center and he looked like a very inspired center. But even so, the upside was capped because, one, they didn't own the upside. They only had a two-year contract on him. And now they've already got to face a, a free agent contract decision on him. Two, he did go through growing pains both years. Yes, he did go through from some snap issues. But also, not just that, we're talking about organization of the huddle we're talking about identification of the protections and and communication and stuff like that uh you know there were growing pains particularly in that first year um and there were growing pains even into the second year and then you know what what's his comportment like what's his locker room attitude and and things like that do dallas really miss him do they do they regret not getting him back you know this is a guy that as the year went on it became apparent mike mcdaniel does not trust him to tell him about his body because he really forced the issue to come back early from the groin against the giants and immediately retore the groin uh, hmm. re-injured the groin even worse than before um, so, so I mean, like, and, and also, by the way, he held out of training camp after only one year. Who does that? 
You know, he, he mm-hmm. held out of training camp after only one year. And I think every coach that's ever coached would tell you that holdouts are more likely to suffer injury issues. So, uh, so I, I think that all, a lot of the, the bargain basement or the bargain shelf kind of shopping that Miami might be doing is resulting in capped upside. And even when you get it right on the talent, there's something else there. There's something wrong. The guy can't stay healthy. The guy, you know. Um, and so I think that when you build through the uh, through the draft, that's when you get more stable success. I think that you see it with the Detroit Lions offensive line. And so they really do have to. It's time. I, I don't want to argue too much about what should they have done who should they have signed who you know what who should they have you know we can go on for days about all of that but it's it, it's neither here nor there at this point I think it's time it's time now you need an offensive line that will give you more than you know 2.2 seconds to throw the ball particularly if you want to have some success in December and January and to do that they're going to have to get serious about the draft they're going to have to they're going to have to go for some of these guys that um, we will talk about more uh, as the season you know as the offseason goes on but they're going to have to they're going to have to get very serious about this with draft resources yeah and it's and it's instructive and Chris has has posted plenty about this on Twitter and on OnlyFans, and by, by the way, if you want to become a member of OnlyFans, you can go to our Discord at discord.gg forward slash OnlyFans, and you become a member there for $3 a month. He's talked about this uh, all all season long. They're, they hid a lot of their deficiencies on that offensive line. And there's no better example than, look, Austin Jackson, I'm very, I'm, I was very happy with the season that he had because I, I'm, I'm a sucker for a guy who actually gets in the gym, improves his body, that guy came in looking like a million bucks. He was the picture of what you will want, what you would want your tackles to look like. Small waist, big barrel chest, big arms, thick thighs. Great looking athlete, Austin Jackson. And I thought he played well this season. But nothing's more instructive than that game against the Patriots early in the season when he had, and I charted this game, he had six pass pro sets and gave up a sack and four pressures to Matthew Judon. Like that's not what you gotta get. That's not what you what you have to do, as as a as a starting level tackle in this league. So they they were exposed at times this year, and I completely agree. They gotta work. They gotta work on that on that offensive line. Uh, as far as the backups, I'll give my two cents, and then you guys can can finish up on this. Um, I like what I saw from Ryan Hayes, but we don't know too much. I like what we saw from Keon Smith in in a couple of moments, but. Uh, we never really got him to, you know, we only saw him in garbage time uh, against lesser players. We never really saw him play against top-level competition in, inside of a game plan, having to pass pro. Um, everybody else, I think we kind of know who they are. Robert Jones is the one-dimensional, you know, road grader, good run blocker. Uh, ever since he got injured uh, early in, in training camp against, uh, against the Houston Texans, uh, he seemed to have lost his anchor. Uh, he's a backup level offensive lineman. And I think Liam Meikenberg has proven he's essentially a backup center. So I don't think that there's, there's much in the cupboard to look forward to uh, Simon, your thoughts on what's behind these starters. Yeah. I mean, it's poor. I like Kendall lamb, but beyond and Eichenberg is, is, is usable, but beyond that, it's not acceptable. It's not good enough. You would not see the chiefs. You would not see the lions. You would not see the 49ers. 
trying to win a Super Bowl with the players that we have on the offensive line, especially given our quarterback situation, you, you just wouldn't. Uh, and it's deficient and it should be better. And whether they go out in free agency and they sign guys like Michael Onwenu or, you know, people like that, then then so be it. But they have to make a legitimate uh, commitment to the offensive line. You know, you look at the ages of these guys. You know, Rob Hunt is, what, 27? Just turned 27? Uh, Collar Williams is still 26? Um you know, these are players in their absolute prime and coming into their absolute prime. They need to make a concerted effort to re-sign these guys um, because otherwise we're just going to find ourselves in the same situation when it comes to the playoffs, when it comes to December and you're in big games, you're on the road, you're in the cold weather and we can't hold up for two seconds and the quarterback's under pressure the whole time and he's got happy feet and boom, the offense that's looked sexy in September and October and, you know, all of a sudden it falls apart again and we're, we're asking ourselves why. It's got to be fixed. It's got to be done properly and it's got to be done now. Otherwise, people are going to get fired. Yeah, on, on the backup, on the backups, I would point out that Keon Smith appears to be a tackle that is is capable of the approach that you've already alluded to, where they 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 hit a lot of the offensive lines, I guess, um, deficiencies. Uh, and what I mean by that is, and this is a stat that I, um, that I've uh, talked about on Twitter a little bit, but there's such thing as a, like a true pass set of what pro football fo focus will call a true pass set and next gen stats, ESPN's rankings also kind of allude to it as well with the computer modeling, um, where they're taking account of, you know, screens and, uh, and, and RPOs and, and things where the ball is just coming out too fast. And it's not really a true pass set. Um, Miami had the lowest percentage of out of all their pass blocking uh, snaps from their offensive linemen. Miami's offensive line had the lowest percentage of true pass sets of any team of the last decade. You know, so that's how much and and not by a little bit, by a lot of bit, you know, um, and and that, so that's how much how much they were hiding that offensive line in pass protection. Well, I think that Keon Smith can help can can keep the wheels turning in that approach. That approach did get us a number one offense. Right. Uh, one of the top, you know, top offenses out there. Now, we 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 complain about what it did in December, January. And that, those are valid complaints. But. You know, that approach did give us a number one offense. And I think that Keon Smith is another cog that could help, you know, turn those gears and, and keep that machine working. Um, I think he's valid. I think that Liam Eichenberg is valid as a backup that way. Um, I would like to see what Chase and Hines has to offer. It's unfortunate that they never got to see him. I think he does have talent. Um, but otherwise, you know, as Simon suggested, this is not a line that you would see go far in um in you know january and into february ideally um so i think that uh i think that a complete overhaul is in order all right and we're going to go to break and when we come back we're going to talk about the defensive line including the edge rushers but first these words save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six. That's nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Or visit the website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than eighty five star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. And we're back. Now let's talk about a unit. If you take into account the defensive tackles, uh, true defense vents and edge rushers on this team that you, you got to think this was the best unit on the team. Maybe the, the running backs were better. I think we, we determined last week that the running backs were better, but this is a really good group. But if you look into, you know, none of us have all the answers in our crystal ball as far as who's coming back, but you can read the list of free agents. It's Raekwon Davis, Christian Wilkins, Deshaun Hand, who actually was a pretty damn good player. Okay. Uh, those are important guys, all of them. And Deshaun Hand, I think, is going to be, he's going to be really important because I think it's entirely possible that Christian Wilkins could be gone. And if he is gone, then Deshaun Hand is going to make up a group uh, that's going to be essentially replacing him. Maybe a Daquan Jones is involved in that group. So I like I liked everything about this group. I have zero complaints. Manny Ogba was, I guess, in the doghouse, but you can't argue with his production. Uh, we do know that, you know, both edge rushers are likely not ready for camp, but could play early in the season. At, at least Jalen Phillips is vowing to. Uh, Bradley Chubb, I would say, is more likely for midseason. But Drew Rosenhaus, uh, has mentioned he's optimistic that Andrew Van Ginkle will be back. And that's a good thing. But if you look at this, you're kind of short a couple of bodies, especially considering you're going to have to go to the mattresses for to keep Christian Wilkins. And we know that Raekwon Davis is going to likely test the market because he wants a snap increase. Unless Wilkins is gone. If Wilkins is gone, I think Raekwon Davis is much more likely to be back. Uh, I love this unit. I would try my best to keep them. Uh, intact. Uh, your thoughts, Simon? Are they missing a body? Uh, what do you like or what you don't like or your general opinion of this entire unit? Well, clearly they had a great year if you take them all into consideration. I think Phillips 
was outstanding. I think Chubb was outstanding. I think he was probably the best player. Wilkins had a great year. Sealer had a great year. Davis is is absolutely fine. You can get by with him. Hand came in, did a nice job. But let's be clear, Zach Sealer is the only defensive lineman that we have on the roster currently in terms of either signed or healthy. Because as you just mentioned, Chubb, obviously, long-term injury. Phillips, obviously, long-term injury. Cameron Good, obviously, long-term injury. Emmanuel Logbro, I don't think anybody believes he's going to be here next year. I mean, he is currently on the roster, but he's not going to be here next year. And then everybody else no. is a free agent. So to say we're short of their body, we're short of like four or five bodies. And I think it's a really yeah. interesting decision that the Dolphins have to make in the offseason now. Because I'll try to paint a, paint a prettier picture. Yeah, well, you know, you know the you know the score. You're glass half full. I'm glass half realistic. So um, <laughs> there are, or, or like I'm fond of saying, you're you're glass half full uh, of cyanide. Yeah, well, but you know, I, I'm honest with it, buddy. I'm honest with it. I'm not going to bullshit us. I'm not saying that you are either, but you know, um, the interesting thing for the Dolphins is that Phillips, Chubb, and Van Ginkle are all hurt with long term injuries. And, you know, whether or not they're back for the start of the season or early in the season, they're not going to be the same player immediately that they were. That leaves Miami with a massive issue in terms of rushing the passer because they don't have any pass rushers. You know, they literally had the 2013 Hall of Fame pass rush in the playoffs last year, which was, you know, I mean, if this was, if that playoff game against the Chiefs featuring Bruce Irvin, Justin, uh, Justin Houston, Melvin Ingram was 2013, I mean, Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have stood a chance. Um, you know, so, I mean, they are in absolutely dire need of help on the defensive line. I just don't know that they can, to try and get all that they want to do. And they brought in Robert Quinn. I think it would have made the difference. Yeah, exactly. To try and get (laughs) all that they want to do done. I just don't think they can afford to pay Christian Wilkins, not knowing that you also have Javon Holland coming up, Jalen Phillips coming up, Tua coming up, Jalen Waddle coming up. And, you know, we've already talked about huge holes on the offensive line and a single defensive lineman. You've got to sign somebody. You know, is Raekwon Davis moving the needle in terms of the player that you signed? Not really. I mean, he's a body on the line, but, you know, is he replaceable? Yes, he is. Um, is Deshaun Hand pulling up trees? Not really, you know, not really. Not He's a rotation easily. guy. Yeah, of course, a rotation guy. You know, Van Ginkle played well, you know, but he, is he a starter? No, I don't think he... You know, I don't think you get the best out of Andrew Van Ginkle when he's starting. You don't ask him to start 16, 17 games. Um, so it's a, I just think it's a massive issue. And, you, you know, what do you do? Do you pay Wilkins? Because you kind of almost are forced into a corner because of all the other things that are going on. And then what does that mean for the offensive line? What does it mean for Xavier Howard? We'll get to cornerbacks later in this series. You know, is, has Howard played his last snap? I'd say there were some pretty significant restructures having to come for Tyreek Hill, potentially Jalen Ramsey, et cetera, et cetera. If you're trying to fit some of these guys in and then you, you know, you're looking at free agency and you know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned Daquan Jones, who'll be nearly 33 when the season starts. You know, these are guys that are not going to be cheap. Um, You know, it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter if you're going to pay Greg Gaines or, you know, whoever, look, just look at the list. These guys are not going to be cheap. Derek Nandy, they're not going to be cheap players. And, you know, I I know we talk about the salary cap not being real and all those sorts of things, but Miami is such a big hole on the, you know, we talk about the, the lines. We've just talked about it with the, the 49ers, the the Lions, the the Ravens and the, and the Chiefs in terms of the, the, the power and the force of their defensive lines and their offensive lines. And we don't have any guys. And that's a concern, I think, Chris, isn't it? I mean, yes, deals will get done. 
But, you know, this strength of a team could turn into a weakness of a team, given that we've got three guys coming off serious injuries, four if you count Cam Good, and one healthy interior defensive lineman, or one just one interior defensive lineman on the entire roster. It's uh, it's it's certainly dark. <laughs> um, you know when when you drink when you realize cyanide, that, drink that cyanide, drink that cyanide. That, yeah, drink that cyanide. When you realize that, and, and it's and it's fully the truth. When you realize that week one in particular, we're gonna strap and we're gonna strap on the pads in week one, and Zach Sealer is the only guy out there that you know will play week one. You know, because uh, um, as you say, Emmanuel Agba is not going to be here, and the other guys are free agents. Bradley Chubb is not going to is probably not going to play in Week One. That's you know, I don't know that that's a revelation. Uh, Jalen uh, Phillips says he's going to, but would we be surprised if he doesn't? You know, um, Andrew Van Ginkle has a long term injury. You're right; those those three guys all have long term injuries, and that is a conundrum. That is you although know, we got good I, news uh, on Van Ginkle. By, from Drew Rosenhaus, he says he will make it to OTAs. Well, that's I mean that's that's good. So so he'll strap he'll strap. Although he's a free agent, uh, so we got to remember. Yeah, that. he's a free, but yeah, he's one of the free agents. So I mean, like, um, so you'd have to get him back first, and he's probably going to have some bitters after the way that he played this year um, in the system. Uh, you know, arguably at times better than uh, some of the guys he was replacing. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, it is, it is definitely a sobering moment to think about that. Um, I think that from a salary cap standpoint, the dolphins do have the ability to, um, to bring their guys back and max out the credit card and try and go for this again. Uh, that will not include an Xavier Howard. Um, but you know, I think that they do have the strict ability to do so. Um, if you're kind of, you know, putting your hand over your eyes and, and not paying attention to 2025 at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do that way. Uh, in particular, I think the thing that could shoot a hole in that is just the fact that, you know, Bradley Chubb, when is he going to be back? You know, Jalen Phillips, when is he going to be himself? Um, and that, that sort of, uh, that sort of question. Uh, now, as far as the defensive line is concerned, I mean, if we're not including the edges in there, the defensive line was Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer. You know, that's pretty much it um, because that, that's the way Vic Fangio played it. Uh, I think that uh, Hand could have played a bigger role. And uh, and I think that he, uh, he he was an ideal rotator backup for them. Uh, Raekwon Davis, he's going to test free agency, but he has not been an irreplaceable player. Let's be honest about it. Um, so, so I, I'm not too worried about that, but it's just a matter of, okay, well, week one through five or whatever, um, you're, you're, you don't have Bradley Chubb out there. You're not sure how much effective play you're going to get out of a Jalen Phillips. Uh, let's say Andrew Van Genkel is back. Um, and you know, if you've lost Christian Wilkins, it's now like, Jesus, dude, you know, um, so so that's the, that that's really the beyond my pay grade sort of conundrum that we're in right now. Um, I think that they could look to bring Wilkins back. I think that they could look to uh, get the band back together for another run with a different defensive coordinator. And, you know, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, it is it is it was looking dark now as far as how they how they played. Obviously, these were great talents this year. Um, 
all the way around. Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Andrew Van Kinkle. Uh, you couldn't, you know, and, and throw in a Deshaun Hand and Raekwon Davis. It's not like he played poorly um, in any way. Uh, I, I think that uh, I think that it's a testament to, to how talented that group is, um, you know, that some of the decisions that we end up having to make. Um, but also, uh, you know, I, ju- I do want to say because it, it kind of ties back to the uh, defensive coordinator search. Um, you know, Ryan Slowick was that that outside edge rush, uh, you know, outside linebacker coach. And he was the one that had to get these guys from the 2013 All-Star team ready to play <laughs> in the playoff game against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, with with very little, very little, uh, you know, um, uh, practice time and, and ability to uh, to to get the defense and all the ins and outs of it. So that's that's a credit to him because I overall I don't think that unit was the reason we lost that game. So um, you know that's that just a credit to him in the defensive coordinator search. Uh, Simon, uh, I guess one last question, and we'll talk about the the starters, and we'll go around the horn on this. I think they're going to have to go into free agency for a player. You know, it's kind of intriguing. I don't think he's going to be too expensive. Josh Uche, he's he's going to be available. I think they're going to have to retain a lot of these guys. Uh, two questions. Are you going into free agency? There's going to be plenty of time to talk draft and edge rushers in the draft. But would you go into free agency to augment this the, the edge rushing group? And how big of a priority is Kristen Wilkins? Or are you ready to sacrifice him? Uh, um. I mean, how long is a piece of string? Uh, he's clearly very important, but let's make no mistake, he wants to be the highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL now. You know, he wanted that before this season, and we wanted to pay him like Kenny Clark. Um, and the reason was that he didn't have the sack numbers, and this year he delivered, and then some in terms of sack numbers. He has more tackles behind the line than any defensive lineman, I think, in NFL history in his first four, four seasons. Um or or, as, or or more tackles overall than any interior defensive lineman than any player in NFL history. There is some number, uh, and I think it's the latter one. Um, so he deserves his money. I mean, can Miami logistically and legitimately afford to pay, you know, a hundred plus million pounds uh, dollars? I mean, to uh, to him, knowing that you still have to pay the quarterback, you have an edge rusher who's more important to pay. Um, you're going to need a new cornerback. Uh, all of these things coming up. You know, your your young receiver who's probably going to take over from the old receiver who probably will retire in a couple of seasons because that's what he said. I, f- I would not want to be Chris Greer and I would not want to be in charge of contracts. Uh, in terms of edge rushes, I think you're going to have to. I mean, how can you not? Um, you know, how can you not look at edge guys? in the? And by the way, I mentioned Josh Hucci for the very obvious reason. He is a Drew Rosenhaus. I mean, you know, it's not a massively overwhelming group of, you know, they're certainly not going to get into the Brian Burns, uh, you know, financial area. You know, is there a Jadavian Clowney deal to be made? Is there a, you know, these are the kind of guys that we're talking about, Yita, Gross Matos, those sorts of Daryl Taylor in Seattle. You know, these are the kind of guys I think we're talking about, Leonard Floyd, um, and it, obviously, it just depends on also who the defensive coordinator is in terms of the, you know what he wants mm. to do in front. You know, again, Daniel Hunter. We're not going to get into that territory. All of those sorts of things. So, um, 
Yes, I absolutely think so. I mean, and the other problem, obviously, you know, you mentioned the draft, and we, we won't talk about prospects, but the other problem is that we don't have a third or fourth round pick. You know, we go mm. one, two, five, six, six, seven. Um, so there's just a huge onus given how, and this is why we've talked for a year about the window closing quicker than most other teams is because we're capped up to the eyeballs. We don't have the draft picks and we've got this massive run of players who want to be signed to, and we want to sign to, to second contracts. Um, so yes, I would ideally in an ideal world like to keep Christian Wilkins. I just, as I said earlier, just don't think Chris is financially viable. Chris? I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be really hard. I mean, bottom line is they're going to have to get in a room, you know, with a lot of uh, with a lot of calculators and and try and make it work if they really want to make it work. I do believe it's possible um, from everything that I've seen. Uh, I look at, you know, the salary cap as very much, a, you know, a, um, a debt model and because uh, you're taking on debt versus future salary caps. And um, and, you know, the the contracts of players like Tyreek Hill um, and like, uh, you know, other guys that uh, that have uh, big cap numbers like Jalen Ramsey, uh, Bradley Chubb, guys that you're expecting to be here at least next year. Um, those are essentially your doorways to the NFL bank. Um, and that's where that's how you take out debt, uh, take out debt against your future salary caps. Um, they can max out the credit. There's, there's enough of a credit limit to max out the credit cards and go with and, and bring back the team. I, I do firmly believe that with some exceptions, uh, you know, some exceptions, one of them being Xavier Howard, for example, I think that they could have a tougher than people think uh, decision to make on Teron Armstead, given that he only played 50% of the snaps last year after playing 66% of the snaps the year before. And, uh, and frankly, you know, he's contemplating retirement and he should, um, you know, because he's, his body is held together with string Um, and he is set to make $14.3 million in cash from the dolphins this year. And I think that people get a little bit caught up in the cap number and the dead money and stuff like that. And first off, that's a sunk cost fallacy. Uh, you know, we talk about the salary cap is very malleable in the short run, but in the uh, longer and inter- intermediate and longer term, you are at the mercy of what you literally, what dollars you put into another guy's bank account. Uh, though every single one of those dollars will be expensed one day at some point. And, you know, you're going to have to make a decision. Are we going to put 14.3 fresh new dollars into Teron Armstead's bank account this year to play 50% of the snaps or worse, maybe less than that? Um, and I think that that's a tough decision to make. And, and, you know, once you make the decision that a guy like Xavier Howard is not worth the, um, you know, the $18.5 million that Xavier Howard, the fresh money that Xavier Howard is, is supposed to make this year, or uh, $14.3 million that Teron Armstead is going to make this year. Once you make that decision that they're not worth it, then you get your nerds in the nerdery, you know, to, to figure out the accrual accounting methods to, to make it work, right? But, you know, first you have to make that decision about whether this player is worth those fresh dollars. Um, and we could be looking at some really tough decisions this year. Um, I have, I tend to think that they're going to want to bring Christian Wilkins back, but then again, you know, we've said it, it is 
it is up to the new defensive coordinator or, or it is subject to who they hire at the defensive coordinator because some defensive coordinators, you're going to really want to beef up that defensive front um, because, you know, their scheme makes it, makes it dependent on that. And some of those uh, defensive coordinators, maybe it's not going to be like that. So, um, so I think that that's, uh, that's going to be an important key decision first before any dominoes can fall. All right. And one last thing before we get out of here. Uh, I remember when, when I was young, you know, you're not as responsible with your, your grocery shopping. And sometimes you open up the cupboard like on a, on a Thursday and you're like, wait a minute, there's nothing in here. Like there's nothing to eat. Okay. It's time to go out again. All right. Was the world black and white when you were uh, young? Uh, well, I had to get on my horse to, to, to go yeah. to the, to, to the nearest chuck wagon to eat, you know, yeah, you know, and then I had to fight off, you know, marauding Indians and, and gunfighters to, yeah. to get there. But, uh, fight in the civil war, uh, that was, it was before that it was the, oh, the revolutionary okay. war actually, oh, okay. you know, when that. we kicked your ass, Simon. Yes. Mm, you say that, but... <laughs> but I remember when I was young and I was very, very irresponsible with, with my uh, grocery shopping. There's nothing in the cupboard. Well, if Chris Greer went into his defensive line cupboard, he'd be staring at Brandon Peely and nobody else. <laughs> so I guess we'll talk about Brandon Peely. That's all that's in the cupboard. Did you even see enough, Simon? Do you have an opinion? Or is this the biggest evidence that they're going to use draft picks? They're going to use free agent dollars? To beef up this unit. I mean, with the greatest of respects to Brandon Peely, if we are relying on Brandon Peely, then we are in deep, deep shit. Chris, uh, your thoughts on, on this cupboard that seems to be... Ba- to be fair to Zeke Vandenberg, I don't know who that is, but he's on the run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But l- let's be realistic. Brandon Peely is staring back at you when you open that cupboard. Uh, yeah, I is mean, that a meal, or are you going out to eat? No, I, I, I think, I think you're going out to eat. It, it, I say this. It's hard to say that because of the way that you know things ended up with Vic Fangio. It didn't work out. Um, there's clear that there's clear that Vic Fangio. There were some players that he was going to like, and then there were some players that he was going to, you know, put at the bottom of the depth chart and and never to be seen again. Um, and you know, there was Brandon Peely, there was a time when Brandon Peely was looking promising and he was getting some snaps at the very beginning of the season. And then he might've, he might well have been, you know, shipped off to the moon for all we know. Um, so that is really hard. I, I obviously the dolphins need this. They need him, right? It's sad. But, you know, they need him. So, yeah, I think the Dolphins do need to count on him to play a role next year. Um, and they don't have much choice about that. Uh, if you can inform the fans, and, and we'll close right here, uh, you had some things to say about Quentin Bell. He could figure in, in that rotation on the edge, considering Cameron Good is not even ready as well. And Quentin Bell is a guy that, that could play some special teams. Uh, the front page on Quentin Bell, and we could get out of here, Chris. Well, the Cameron Good thing, you know, he just he just took a devastating knee injury or t- took a devastating injury, and um, and otherwise, you know, he w- we would be figuring him into the mix. Uh, Quentin Bell, I just know, is very, very, very athletic. Think of him as having like Brian Burns type of athleticism testing, you know, uh, overall ability. Um, he was, you know, he's not been uh, a defensive edge player or he wasn't very long in college so it was always going to be a long 
you know, learning curve for him. Um, the only thing I'll say about it, other than knowing his athleticism, is you know he shows up. He shows up on hard knocks. He's wearing a practice jersey of the day, um, or practice player of the day jersey. Um, and you know they they mentioned him and talking about the way that he was able to try and replicate Max Crosby from the scout team. I mean, he drew some praise, but you know that might be that might be neither here nor there. That might be just completely you know throw it away in the garbage, never hear from it again for all we know. Um, so, you know, there's, no, there's nothing to say. Instructive that he didn't play against the Chiefs, given all the issues. Right. No, yeah. I think that's very true. I think they went with the – they wanted to go with the veterans. And I think that Vic Fangio really just wanted Melvin Ingram. Uh, or, you know, I think that – or, sorry, um, Malik Reed. Sorry, I, I keep confusing them. Um I think that Vic Fangio wanted to get Malik Reed in there, uh, and he trusted him more. And Malik, I believe, did get the bulk of the snaps in that game um, from among the you know the fresh signees that they they went ahead and they went ahead and signed. I think that um, Malik Reed was the the big the big snap getter there. Yeah, I think Vandenberg, Alpha, off the top of my head, didn't he win the um, whatever the award is for the best defensive player at an FBS level? Is it the is it the Buck Buchanan? The FCS? Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't he win the FCS Best Defensive Player of the Year, which I think is called the Buck Buchanan Award? Let me just... Yeah, I yeah. believe he I believe he did. Um, I, I, so, I, I believe he also here. made it one day into camp before he <laughs> went on IR. Yeah, he did. He did win the Buck Buchanan Award last year for the FCS's Best Defensive Player. So, All right. sacks, 21 tackles for a loss. Can Ethan Bonner play defensive line? Can Cam Smith play defensive line? Hey, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be much more optimistic on the the secondary than you guys are gonna be. Uh, I think when we get back to this on Thursday, because I kind of like what's in the cupboard there. Ethan Bonner, good player. We shall see. We'll talk about it on Thursday when we get into the linebackers, the secondary. We'll even do a little place kicker talk, and of course, um, what's gonna be our new punter because I can almost guarantee Jake Bailey won't be here again uh, next year. So we'll get into all of that on Thursday. But And maybe, who knows, maybe a new defensive coordinator. But till then. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.